Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, Wrestling Wednesday. My guest today is Seth Gross. Seth is a two-time NCAA finalist. He's an NCAA champion. He's currently training for the Olympic team. So uh, let's bring him in. I'm super excited about this. What's up, buddy? Can you hear me? Yeah, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Taking the time to do this. Yeah, yeah, of course. So uh, what's your training schedule like these days? Um, it's pretty, pretty good right now. So we just got really back into things. I took some time this summer, obviously. And then, uh, leading up to beat the streets, I got a good training cycle in. So kind of, kind of easy the last couple of weeks. And now we're starting to haul up the, haul up the work a little bit here. So three, four lifts a week. And then on the mat, probably three, four times too. So when, when are the trials now? Uh, they're not till April. Okay. Okay. So. Wow. So that's, that's quite a ways away. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just kind of trying to get a little stronger and trying to just get my body in tip-top shape for making 125. Because when I made it for the Bill Farrell, I felt like it was not the. I made it and I felt good that day, but then after that, I just didn't feel good, and I just feel like I need to get my body the right right size for for making it. So, is that the only time that you've made uh, 125? Yeah, since my sophomore year of high school. Yep. Oh wow. Yeah, so it's been here yeah, like six, six, seven years since I had uh, been that light. Yeah. When did you? Uh, when did you realize that you were you were really good at wrestling? Was it when you when you were a kid? Um. So I was I was good probably within the state when I was a kid. I uh, I did really well. I got like triple crown things. I just loved wrestling. I was always a little little chunkier, a little, little bigger. So I was wrestling wrestling bigger kids and stuff, but. Uh, when I got serious about it, I, I never did, like, whenever I went to national tournaments as a kid, I didn't really do well. That's kind of, I don't know if it was a mental thing or what, what it was, but I, I did good within the state, and then I'd travel, travel their place and kind of get my butt kicked by those, those good guys in the country, and then I'd say my freshman year, I decided, hey, I, I love wrestling, and I, I want to be the best I can be at it, and I really kind of committed to the sport a lot more, and uh, that's when I kind of broke onto the national scene and started doing a lot better as far as, you know, that, that, that level. And you went to high school in Minnesota, is that right? Yep. Apple Valley. How did you do there in high school? Uh, so I was a three time state champ. And then my freshman year, I got third place. I, uh, I lost in the semifinals and triple or double overtime. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, how many losses did you have in high school? Do you know? Uh, I had a lot my freshman year. I want to say somewhere around 12 to 15 throughout my career. Um, but most of them came my freshman year. I think I lost one my sophomore year, two my junior year, and one or two my senior year, something like that. So, Cool. You're, you're the first guy that I've gotten to talk to that – I've had a lot of uh, NCAA champions and, and world champions and legends on here, but you're the first guy I've gotten to talk to that's still competing. And you're the first guy that I've gotten to talk to that didn't get to wrestle at the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah. How hard was that for you mentally to be, you know, you're going for your second national title and, and all that. And uh, how hard was that? Yeah. I mean, it, it sucked. Cause obviously that was, that was what we trained for that entire year was for that national tournament. That's why I came back and decided to, you know, do another year of school, get a medical redshirt was to go try to win one more national title. But at the end of the day, I was still focused. My main focus that whole year was I'm going to make an Olympic team and I'm going to win an Olympic gold medal. So that was where my mind was at. So when they said no national tournament, I kind of just flipped the switch and said, okay, well, I got an Olympic title to win. And that's, that's what I was thinking about. So I didn't, I didn't, I mean, yeah, it sucked, but I really didn't lose, lose sleep over it. I felt 
I, I probably more felt for some of my teammates that didn't get a chance to get on the podium or some of the guys that right never got a chance to go to the national tournament and experience that. So I, I felt for those guys, but personally it was just now I got to go do the next thing. And that's kind of where my, my, my mindset was at. And then obviously they postponed the Olympics and that's where it was like, man, so this is kind of a bummer, but, but you know, it, it didn't get canceled. So I just try to pick out the positive and say, Hey, now I got another year to get better. I got another year to get my body right to make 57 kilograms. And this is going to be the first time I've been wrestling freestyle for a whole year and specifically focusing on that style. So I, I try to just constantly pull out, pull out the positives that I could in the situation. Yeah. I had this theory that uh, even though you had some close matches and, and you took a couple of losses, I had this theory that I was like, I think Seth Gross is just going to unleash on everybody at NCAAs. And uh, it, was I right? <laughs> I, I was, I was ready for it. I'm, I probably felt, you know, and, and one thing I never really talked about this during the season or much is like, I was coming off back surgery, man. I was coming off of, that, that takes a year and a half to really fully heal to the extent. And I was wrestling matches seven months, eight months after. So that was lingering all year. I didn't really start training 100% until January, February time, right? Uh -huh. the, whole, the whole first half of the year, it was like, I'd be on the mat a few times a week and then I'd have to back off because my back would be tight. I'd be able to lift once or twice a week and then I'd have to back off. So it was like, I was doing what I could, pushing my body to the limits, but as soon as I hit that, I need to back off so I didn't have something come up with my back. So my training wasn't, wasn't great then. And then once January hit, that was about the year mark for, for my surgery. That's where it really started feeling a lot better, and I could actually train weeks on end without having setbacks. And that's where I really started to feel a lot better, a lot more confident. And, and for me, it's my confidence comes in knowing you know, I trained as hard as possible. And it was hard for me in the beginning of the year knowing that I wasn't training like I used to. I wasn't able to do what I used to. So it was, it was, it was honestly a great experience for me up here because I learned that you know, there, there is different ways to win. There's different ways to go about things and recovery is important. And I, in the past, it was just run through a wall until you can't run through the wall no more and then get back up and do it again the next one day. And it was, that, that's how I, that's how I was used to training. So it was eye opening to me to have to train a different way and have to learn that you can't always have your foot on the gas pedal. So. Yeah. You, uh, you were in 133, which is a really loaded weight class, and I think you wrestled just about all the top guys. Um, who, who of those guys would you say was the, the toughest matchup for you? Um, it, so that's, that's an interesting question. i say the first time that I ever wrestled any of them, it was definitely DeSantos, just because he has that unique feel that you're not going to get from anybody else, right? He's got that, you know, you, you can practice it all day long, but he's got that vice grip that, you got to feel it to know, know, know what it's like. So I'd say he was the first guy that that first time I wrestled him, I was like, dang, man, I don't know what to do right now. And obviously I went back to the drawing board. And I was able to figure it out and, and know, know what I had to do. But I think the first time was definitely him. Um, Sebastian Rivera's tough. Um, in, he, right, each, each, him, Rivera, RBY, they all present a unique, unique uh, style of wrestling, right? RBY is super athletic, super quick. Um, Rivera is good at – he's, he's strong, he's powerful, he's good at changing level, getting quick finishes on his attack. So they all presented di different things that, that, you know, I had to be ready for. And But I definitely say first time around was, was DeSanto. Yeah. 
Who, uh, um, how, how hard was it to, for you to keep your weight down during the season? What, what were you walking around at or trying to? Uh, about 135-ish. I mean, so the hard part was I was feeling really good, and then I got down to 57, and I could not put the weight back on. Oh, really? So I made, I made 125 at the Bill Farrell for that, and then it was like I was eating as much as I could. I was lifting. I was doing whatever I can to try to put weight on, and it just was not – going it was not putting back on very well so it was like I would be 130 going into weighing and have to drink and eat just to you know weigh in and look like I was a full-sized 133 pounder so it was it, it just took some time to to get back to there it probably took me about a month to really get back up to walking around closer to 140 so so towards the end of the season you were you were weighing about 140 yeah I'd say 138 to 140 was kind of what I was walking around at towards the end of the season you know, yeah. the day before weigh-ins and stuff. So. It's got to be difficult to be going through your college season, but your mind be on, uh, you know, not to say it wasn't on, on the winning the NCAA championship, but to have it on a different goal, a different uh, style, and, and you're worried about your weight and all that other stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was an interesting experience, but at the end of the day, you know, I love, I love the challenge. I love the, you know, opportunities it presented. It was cool to be able to do that. And, you know, we've seen guys like, Kyle Snyder be able to do it, Jaden Cox, a few other guys, and you know, so so it, it gave me the confidence to know, you know, you can you can do this and go, still go win that Olympic title. So I never looked at it as it a setback or anything, you know. I just I just said this is what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna go do it. So that's kind of I just let let it be like that and, and focus, you know, every day. It was interesting. I think that I probably should have spent a little more time on my freestyle stuff throughout the college season I was probably only doing one or two freestyle workouts a week at most throughout the whole college season which you know going back I think hey you need to focus on this you know I, I know how to ride guys I know how to wrestle folk style I've been doing that forever right but the Olympics are coming up so I need to do a little more freestyle so that's that's the only thing I'd say that you know I probably should have focused on more yeah um I always wanted to ask you because I, I was at the NCAA tournament when you uh when you got second and you you Pretty much, from what I remember, you steamrolled everyone to the finals, and then you had a great match with Corey Clark. Uh, what do you remember most about that match? Did you guys – sorry to ask two questions, but did you guys train a lot together when you were at Iowa? Yeah, so we didn't train maybe a lot. I was I was a 41-pounder, and we'd train probably once a week. Not, nothing – you know, we weren't, like, specific training partners or anything like that. But, yeah, it was – it, it was interesting. I had, I had a great tournament. Uh, my uh, quarterfinals match and my semifinals match, I majored two guys that had beat him like the last month of season. Yeah. And I was confident going in. And I think, I, I don't know if I let the outside things get to me, if it was the pressure, what it was, you know, a lot of the buildup around that match was right. The redemption story, the wrestling, my old teammate and, every interview everybody I talked to that's kind of the question that came up so that was I think going through my mind a lot and usually I'm pretty clear-minded and you know relaxed going out there and I wasn't that match I'd say I was letting a lot of things get in my head and I went out there and I, I actually got and I, I hadn't gotten tired that whole year right I, I condition was tip-top shape and I, I got tired in that match I got you know, my mind was tired. My, it was, it was, it was interesting. And by that third period, I, I didn't have a ton of gas in the tank like I usually had. And, you know, the, some of that's in my head. Some of, you know, he, he, he's really good. He's a good, he, he grabs that two on one. He wears on you. He puts you in positions, but I don't think I wrestle to the best of my ability, but 
with that being said, I think it was the best thing for me moving forward that really made me train at another level that whole next year and um, maybe made me realize, you know, that, that, you know, I was getting a little bit confident that year and it kind of knocked me back into reality that, hey, you still got to put, you know, all that work in. So how do you normally prepare mentally for your matches? Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty laid back. I, I, I honestly don't get too, too nervous, right? I, I got my faith, my faith is in God and uh, I, I give it all to him. And every time I go out there, you know, I, I give myself, I give a prayer to God and uh, just no pressure. Cause I know that if I lose this match, if I win this match, it doesn't matter. Right. At the end of the day, my, my, my identity is in Jesus Christ and, and wrestling something that he's given me the opportunity to do and I'm just grateful for that so I go out there no pressure and just just let it fly every single time win or lose and I feel like that really helped me get to the next level when I when I was able to do that because it wasn't always like that but once I was able to say hey these wins and losses right I'm giving them all up to God regardless and I'm gonna I'm gonna represent him out there and I'm gonna do the best I possibly can with the talents that he's given me so that was kind of kind of been my mindset for the last few years here and I feel like at the end of the day, that lets me, you know, like I just lost to beat the streets. I walked off the mat, you know, obviously I wanted to win, but I was perfectly fine. And I was able to sit down with my coaches, pick apart the match and then enjoy the day there and just enjoy how, how cool the, the scenery was, the coolest, one of the coolest atmospheres I got to ever wrestle at and, and just go eat some food and relax and have a good time. And, and you look three, four years ago, I, I lose a match. I, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm, go slam the door in my hotel room. I put my phone away and nobody hears from me from two days. And yeah, that, that there's just no, there's nothing really positive coming out of that. Whereas now it's just like, you know, what happens. It happens. How, how, how are you going to fix it moving forward? Yeah. I've had a lot of days like that where I'm, you know, and then when I look back on it, I'm like, man, I wish I had that day back. You know, I just wasted a day. And, and when I don't exactly. feel uh, when I'm grateful for the positions I'm in rather than, you know, nervous about them, I find it works out a lot better. But speaking of that Corey Clark match and getting tired, it's crazy how you can be in that good a shape. You know, obviously you're in the NCAA finals, you're in amazing shape. Um, but sometimes it just, uh, the moment or whatever it is, you know, especially like the first round of the tournament. Um, I mean, I never wrestled in the NCAAs, but I know what it's like to be just like, God, I feel like I'm going to die. Yep. And I'll tell you what, that's kind of one of the big things that I did differently. My first NCAA finals to my second one was when I wrestled Corey Clark, I was sitting around all day just thinking about that match all day. I had replayed it in my head 3000 times. I was going through all these different scenarios and I don't usually do that. I'm usually pretty, you know, I, I think about it and I always think about me winning the match but I was just thinking of all the things he could have done, what I was going to do. And I, I didn't, it, it just, I psyched myself out a little bit. And then the next year, right. I, I acted like it was a normal day. I got up, I had breakfast. I hung out with my family. We played some games. Um, we walked around and I didn't think about the match. Then when I got over to the arena, right. Then I knew it was time to dial in. I got my warm up in and then I did my thing. And that, that let me, I don't know. I just felt so much more clear-minded and ready to go versus I just mentally wore myself out from thinking about the Corey Clark match for seven, eight hours before it even happened. Yeah. It probably helps having uh, two guys in your corner like John Reeder and uh, Chris Bono too. What are those guys like? They are the most positive, energetic guys. And uh, 
yeah, I owe a lot to those two. They, 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 they really helped me take, take, take me in my wrestling to the next level. Um, I'd say the biggest thing was just, just their belief in me and them always just reassuring me how, how good I was. And they do that for everybody. And I think that that's one, one of the biggest things in wrestling is just, you know, every day I walk into the wrestling room and coach readers, Hey, what's up world champ. Right. And what's up national champ. And, and, and it's just that positive energy every single day. It's like, I'm excited to go work out. I didn't always have that with other coaches, but with these guys, it's like, I want to get around these guys. I want to be around them 24 seven. I want to be around them in the room, out of the room. And they're just guys that, right. They bring that intensity to every area of their life. It's not just inside the wrestling room. They care just about, just as much about your wrestling as they do you becoming a good person as you, you know, just doing the right things as far as your faith. Right. And they're really good at keeping you accountable. Right. If they, if I tell them, I want to be a national champ. They're going to make sure that what I'm doing outside of the wrestling room, 100% aligns with that. Right. Hey, Hey Seth, you, you said you want to be a national champ, but you're just doing what everybody else is doing. Right. You, what extra workouts do you need to go in? Get yeah. out. Right. Yeah. You say, you say that your face important to you. Why weren't you at Bible study Tuesday morning? Right. Little things like that. They kept me accountable in every single aspect of my life. And, and once, you know, every area of your life is doing really well, it all starts elevating and that's kind of what those guys did for me. Right. I was at a low point when I met these two and, and, and they really changed, changed the trajectory of where I was headed. Cool. Yeah. They, they both look like they're still in great shape, but are they both still wrestle in the room with you, with you guys? Yeah. Yeah. They both still get on the mat. Reader readers beating, beating the crap out of guys on a daily basis. Bono gets on there a couple times a week, but uh, yeah, yeah. They're always out there. They're always, still waking up five in the morning, getting their workouts in. And, uh, yeah, it's always that intensity. Yeah. As I age, I, I want to emulate guys like that. I know I'm, I'm older than reader, obviously, but Bono is a few years older than me, but you know, I would like to try and stay healthy like that. And I was kind of hurt for John reader because he is such a freaking beast, but they took away a weight class for him. He didn't really have a weight class. And, uh, I always thought that stunk. Um, 57, by the way, is just bananas. I mean, it might be the most loaded bracket I think I've ever seen. Uh, what's it going to take to navigate a, a field like that? Uh, it's, it's always whenever you got that many high-level guys in one practice or in one bracket, it's going to be the tiniest little things that matter, right? It's doing the tiny little things right consistently and, and showing up and being ready to compete on that, that given day. I think that we got five, six, seven guys that could show up, and if they have they have their best best tournament that they could win that day, and I think that that's something crazy to think about. I don't think that there's typically that deep of a weight class where you really have no idea. Yeah, some people might think you know maybe there's these two or three guys that are a little bit ahead, but I'm telling you, I think that there's six, seven guys that are within any of them could beat anybody, and I think it's going to be interesting. And I think for me personally. I need to get better at my parterre wrestling. I need to get better at just little freestyle things, just not giving up, uh, giving up points off of, you know, I front head pinch somebody or I belly tilt them, not giving up a reversal after that. And, and it's just the little things for me. I've been, I, I really like, like I said earlier, I haven't really focused on freestyle wrestling year round ever. So it's going to be cool to really spend the time to tune up my freestyle and get ready to go. But like I said, it's going to be the little things who can do, you know, who can make the weight the right way. Who's going to, you know, do their diet. Who's going to have the best cardio. Who's going to show up ready to go. There's it's, there's a million things that come into play and it's just going to be 
who, who did the most things right. Yeah, it's so loaded that sometimes I'll be like making a list of 57. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then I, and I look at my list, I'm like, I didn't even put Thomas Gilman on there. You didn't put one of the top guys. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'll be pulling for you, man. Um, uh, who instilled, I've been really impressed with your, uh, you know, your faith and you're willing to talk about it. Um, who instilled that in you? Was that your parents? Yeah, I mean, so I grew up in a household where we went to church every week. I was involved with Bible studies, different things like that. And I was around it, right? I, I, knew, the, I knew the Bible verses. I knew, knew the basics. And, uh, but it wasn't until right, I got in trouble at Iowa that I really started creating that personal relationship with God, which I think is one of the most important things, right? You can, you can know, know the things in the Bible, know how you're supposed to act, do this and that. But until you spend time right? Growing, talking to God and really, really just, just getting to know him and, and, and being vulnerable that I think that you can really start taking a step forward in your faith. And I think that that's kind of when it happened for me, I was at one of the darkest places. And at first it was like, why, why I do the right things? Why is this happening to me, God? To, you know, you're just trying to pull me back in, right? I've been straying away from you. You're trying to pull me back in and create that relationship with me. And once I realized that it was just yeah. night and day of just how I looked at my faith and how important and that how, how grateful I became that every opportunity that you have, right. It can be stripped away at any minute. Right. And God's blessed me with these things. And, you know, I just want to make the best of every single opportunity. So it was, it was definitely through that experience that I was able to kind of take my faith to the next level and, and just have that personal relationship. Cool. How, how would you uh, advise people to, to read the Bible? I mean, I read it, but how, how would, how would you advise somebody to read it? Um, you know, the cool thing nowadays is that there's a million really good resources out there as far as, you know, you can download the Bible app and they have a million different options of devotions you can go through. I really like the structure of things, right? I'm not the type of person who can just open up my Bible and start reading on a random page every single day. So I, I do a lot of those Bible studies and whether it's, you know, I got a bunch of books on them. I download, you know, one on my phone or something, but I love having that structure. So I always like to you know if there's something that I feel that I've been struggling with, maybe I'll look for a devotion on that topic or I'll look for a plan that has to do with that. Um, and I think that, that that's an easy way to, you know, really get that personal. Like, these verses are really what I'm going through. So I'm going to read a lot of this this week. And, uh, that's one easy way to start. There's really cool study Bibles now too that I love. I just got one early, early in the summer. It's been one of my favorite things because it, it, it's similar to the other stuff, but it's literally right. You could, right at the beginning of the Bible, they have any word you could think of pretty much like determination. You go there and they'll give you seven different verses that have to do with determination or just little things like that. So there's a lot of cool resources. And then along with that, I just think a huge thing is right. Taking the time to pray and talk to God and thank him for everything and let him know how grateful you are and, you know, tell him, tell him what you need or what you're struggling with or, you know, things like that. So. Yeah. I, I had a pastor tell me that just talk to God like you would you know, a friend for the most part. And, uh, and I, I certainly feel better whenever I do pray. So there, there has to be something to it. Uh, yeah. Do you ever, do you ever waver in your faith? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that people that tell you that, you don't, that they never have, I, I don't know about that. I think everybody has their struggles. Everybody has those days and, and it, it happens more than I'd like it to, right? I struggle a lot. I have a lot of areas that I'm still working on every day and life gets busy and I see myself not making it a priority. I spend more time 
maybe pursuing my hobbies or video games at certain points uh, that I've kind of fixed that one up, but different things that I let get ahead of my, my relationship with God. And, and it's slow, right? At first it's like, Oh, it's just today. I'll get back on it tomorrow. And I do. And then maybe next week it was two days that I'm in. And it's that slow kind of fade away from where you want to be. And next thing you know, it's two months later and you haven't touched your Bible in four weeks. Right. And, and I think everybody goes through that, but right. You just, he, God's always trying to pull you back to him. And you always, you know, that's why I think, you know, that every time I do get there, it's always just somewhere inside my heart that I'm like, man, what are you doing? And, and I slowly, you know, I get back to it. I pray, start praying a lot more and I kind of start getting that back. But I think that everybody goes through those personal struggles. And I think a lot of it has to do with maybe you did something that you're not proud of and you just are trying to avoid confronting that situation. And I think for me that that's been the biggest thing is I mess up or I screw up or I do something I shouldn't have done. And then instead of just taking the time to say, you know, will you forgive me, God? Like I screwed up. I try to avoid it and act like it didn't happen. And then it adds up, adds up, adds up until there's this huge boulder that I got to get off my chest. So I think that everybody struggles, but at the end of the day, right. Yeah. Always find your way back. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that. Cause I've felt that way a million times. Like uh, God doesn't want to hear from me right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that I try to tell people. I think that's the hardest people that are young in their faith that, it's hard for them to realize that no matter what you've done in your past, God still loves you. God forgives you. And there's still opportunity to grow in your faith and get close to God. He, he's not holding anything over you. And, and that's a conversation I have with a lot of my friends and different people in my life. It's just like, I've done this. I've done that. How could God possibly love you? But he does, right? He, he does. He does not care. And he, he, he created you for a purpose and for a reason. And, and right when when he made you right he made you uniquely you for a reason so it, it it's a it's a it's tough for people to realize that but I think that that's a huge thing yeah do you think Satan is real too because there are times where I'll be like I'll be fully like you know feel like I'm in a good place with God and all that stuff and then there are times I'll, I'll feel like negative thoughts and like Satan is a sneaky oh yeah <laughs> You know. Yeah, master of deception. Yep, yep. He's always, always trying to pull you down with the worldly things. He, I mean, he, he's the one that until God comes back and, and and ends it, it's you know he's the one that's pulling the strings on this earth. And I think that that's a lot of the issues, right? He, 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 he is the master of deception. He's always the voice in your head saying the nasty things about you, and and right, it's hard. You just got to overfill, overflow your life with Jesus and kind of wash that away. Yeah, some, sometimes I'll feel it, and I'm like, I see what you're doing, you sneaky bat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's always nice when you catch it right away, though. Yeah. Um, what other hobbies are you into? Oh, actually, one of my big hobbies, this is a little, little nerding out here, but Yu-Gi-Oh! Collect, I collect a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards, Pokemon cards, sports cards. Okay. Um, I, I love that type of stuff, so I spend a lot of time hunting around stores looking for cards and things like that i love anime i love things like that so well you see a little anime uh edit somebody made me right behind me here but uh yeah that, that's kind of the other stuff i really like and then besides that i like getting outdoors fishing and uh being on the lake things like that so yeah um you're getting married soon too right yeah yep so we haven't set an exact day just because it's been tricky with everything going on finding you know venues and times and things right. but yep we got engaged uh end of april 
and yeah, yeah. So now we're just waiting, waiting until we can have that wedding. Yeah, you're in the you're in the city where it all started. All this uh, all this madness is is it? How's it doing? Are you in Minneapolis? I'm not right now. So I I, I go back there quite a bit. I'm in Madison right now. But yeah, if I was back there uh, for a couple months in the summer, so. Okay. Um, back to wrestling. Uh, what uh, what would you say the the hardest loss for you to take has been in your career? The most disappointing loss was it in state finals. I would say I would think I think that would be the most disappointed I was after that match, and that's kind of where I turned that that mindset. We talked about how right I put a lot of pressure. I and that was one of those times where after that match, I I, I was you did not want to be around me, right? I was slamming myself in my hotel room and not want to be around anybody, and and that's kind of when I turned things around. So there was a lot of things that I was disappointed in that match. Um, a, I, I, it's, it, it was a winnable match for me. B, the way I acted after, um, not, not specifically on the mat, right? I shook his hand. I shook the coach's hand and walked off the right way, but it was just the rest of the day, right? My family, I, I, I should have hung out and went and done stuff with them more and been just in a happier mood. Just, you know, be grateful that I just went and got second at the national tournament instead of being kind of a pity party about it. So I'd say that that's just, but but it, I say that, but it's like I needed that, right? I needed that to change my mindset. I needed that to move forward in the right direction. So it's hard hard to say, you know. I I wouldn't change any match if I had to, but that's one that I still I still think about that one a lot to this day. Yeah, sometimes you just have to realize that though that like you know any regret that you have or anything anything that you would if you had done anything different or if anything else had happened you wouldn't be where you are right now. You know. I try to tell myself that all the time because I have a son now and and if, if I had done anything different he might not be here and I wouldn't exactly. trade him for a billion dollars so yeah. um what was your most satisfying victory um so this one I would say uh was making the world team the junior world team um and that was just because that was really emotional for me because that was the first time I I, I won a, one kind of big tournament after getting in trouble Right, I had a bad kind, of, not a bad, but I had a not a great redshirt freshman year. I uh, barely had a winning record that year, and I was just down on where where I could go, and didn't think I was one of those elite guys in the sport anymore. And I'd kind of not given up, but I was like satisfied. You know, my goal was, you know, maybe I can get get on the podium my my senior year, be a one time All American or something like that, and then. That summer, I trained my butt off. I actually cut down to 60 kilograms, and I ended up beating Mitch McKee in a crazy uh, best yeah. of three series, and that was that was just really emotional for me. I, I, I think that that was another big match that I can look back on and really changed the trajectory of my career, too, and kind of gave me a little bit of confidence I needed. It also, you know, after I won, won that, I was able to train throughout that entire summer. I didn't take any time off that year and I really made some really big gains in my my wrestling so yeah that was a great series man I you've probably been in more great matches than anyone in wrestling I mean they're countless I can think of so <laughs> many examples of matches that you've had that were just crazy and you came out on top in most of them yeah yeah I think that's that yeah kind of just that wide open style I think that obviously there's a lot of work I can do on the defensive end of things but one way or another every time I step out there there's going to be a lot of points on the board so I, I try I try to keep training so it can be a little bit more in my favor each time but yeah I, lo I love those high scoring matches and uh just letting it fly 
Do, do you mind talking about what did happen at Iowa? Because, I mean, I kind of know, but not really. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, of course. I, I talk about it a lot. And, yeah, it was uh, – so it was my freshman year at Iowa, right, first year in college, first time away from family. And, um, yeah, it was just I, – I, I didn't – so I drank a little bit in high school, and I was kind of surrounded with the wrong group of people and kind of struggled a little bit in high school, a little bit. My family found out about it and kind of got me back on the right track. and. And uh, they were pretty strict on me after that. And I got to college and, right, obviously you get that freedom to start making your own decisions. And I actually, for the whole season, everything I was thinking about was always wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. So I didn't really go out. I didn't go to parties. I didn't uh, do any of that stuff. I, I was, it was wrestling 24-7, lifting weights. And I was making right choices, but wrestling was the only thing I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about my relationship with God. I wasn't thinking about building any sort of community there and being surrounded with the right people. It was just wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And um, I want to say it was either January or February of uh, my freshman year. I had a decent, I think I lost two matches my redshirt season, but had a decent year. We were coming up. I think we might have had one or two opens left. And I got a pretty bad injury um, in my knee and my ankle. And it, it was kind of a freak, freak little injury not really sure how it even happened, but I ended up like chipping a bone in my knee and in my ankle. And like, I had a big boot on me for a while. And that was the first time that I'd really just had wrestling just completely stripped away from me. Right. And when you go from wrestling being everything to you, all you're focused on all the time to all of a sudden, what, what am I supposed to do? Right. What, what, what now? And so I was injured. I couldn't really wrestle from February to March and March came along. I was trying to stay focused on the right things and then season's over and everybody starts partying even a little bit more than normal. And some of the guys, you know, Hey, Hey, let's go out and drink, do this or that. And I was like, you know, all right, I can't wrestle right now anyway. So let's, let's do it. And yeah. so I went out and I drank and, um, I didn't drink, like I said, till since high school. So I went and I got pretty intoxicated pretty, pretty quickly there. And just bad thing, one bad thing led to another and um, ended up going outside and we were, we were going to leave and whatever. And guys were driving around and this and that. And it just, we started going into random cars on the side of the road and going around and taking things out of them. And we got, obviously we we were drunk. We probably were making so much noise and people hearing us left and right. So we got caught pretty quick doing that. The police came and, uh, and that, that, that was that. So we got, got charged for some burglary stuff. And, uh, yeah. And then after that I had to tell coach brands and got suspended from the team for a little bit and then ended up at South Dakota state through it all. So that's kind of, kind of the fast, shorter version of it. Yeah. What was that meeting like with brands after that happened? So it was terrifying, right? But so it's kind of to, not to get into too much detail. That specific night, only two of us actually got in trouble. And one of the guys that was kind of in trouble, like he was there, but he hadn't got in trouble yet, um, actually got to talk to brands before we were even out of jail. So like he kind of knew, so we didn't really have to break break it to him, which was – I guess kind of, kind of good, not really a good thing, but right. So he already knew. And so we went in and he, he gave it to us and said, uh, until this stuff is kind of figured out, you're off the team. And, uh, and that was that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I quit drinking about 10 years ago, and, and I don't know that I was an alcoholic or anything, but it was definitely the precursor to every bad thing that had happened in my life. So uh, it, it can be a, a really evil thing. Um, your junior year, um, when you were a returning national champion, uh, you were in the running for the Hodge, and maybe the only we reason you didn't win is because you bumped up to wrestle Meredith. What, what went into your thinking there? Were you not – I mean, obviously you thought you were going to win – um, and it was a great match. Again, one of the best college matches I've ever seen. Even though it was low scoring, it was still just a great match. The scrambles you guys had were just out of this world. Yeah. Um, what went into your thinking there? Were you just not worried about even thinking about the Hodge or any of that stuff? Or I, I, I think I thought about it a little bit, but to me it was like it was, it was Zane Rutherford's to lose. He was a multiple-time national champ. He was a bonus. Me and him were pretty close in bonus points, so I think that I just thought – I got to do something awesome. And, and yeah. along with that, nothing like that has really happened in decade or so or so. And when you're at a big school, you don't really get a chance to do that. But we we're both from little schools, right. That we, we probably both our teams knew we weren't going to go win, you know, maybe the national title or that this dual season was the biggest deal in the world. So we were fortunate enough to have two coaches that got behind it real quick. Right. We talked about it. And, um, they, you know, Mark Branch was able to say, hey, yeah, we're cool with ending the duel at 141 and doing this match. Because if you would have said, hey, we're starting at 141 or didn't agree to that, it, it would have been harder to make it happen. But he was like, hey, we can end at 141 and we can do this. And so, uh, yeah, it was just something that it started out as a joke, actually. It kind of – I posted uh, just a little promo for the match on my Instagram, and it was just – Right, me and Bryce Mayer, not that we were going to wrestle. It was just like, hey, tune into our duel this week. Two number one-pound wrestlers will be competing in this duel. And then I think Bryce might have just jumped on and commented, me versus God's wrestler 133 and something like that. And it had like an insane amount of favors and comments. And then everybody was like, actually thought we were for sure wrestling. And at this point in time, we had no intentions to do so. And then uh, it just kept growing and growing and growing. I reached out to Bryce and I was like, you want to do this for real? And he was like, oh, yeah. And we went back and forth, and our coaches were, were down to make it happen. And we were like, why not? I yeah. got nothing to lose. He's got nothing to lose, right? We both we both were game for it. So, so was, it a, uh, was it a good-natured thing between the two of you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I know Bryce real well. And, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was great. And even after the match, we talked a little bit. And, you know, it was, it, it was, it was great from start to finish. Yeah, it was a great match. Uh, did you have to make 133? Yeah, that, so that kind of – that's the thing that kind of sucks about NCAA wrestling, right? If I weighed in above – one, we, we had a duel that Sunday. This was on a Thursday. If I would have weighed above 134, I wouldn't have been able to wrestle 133 at our duel on Sunday. Okay. So I ended up weighing in at 133. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks, but it was still it was still fun. And there's, there's no excuses behind what I weighed there. I think that – you know, it's eight pounds, obviously. Yeah. It, it, it might be a little bit of a help, but at the end of the day, we're both kind of scrambling wrestlers. I don't think either of us really use our weight a ton in the style that we wrestle, so I don't think it played too much of a factor. Did, did you ever give him uh, crap about it good-naturedly? Like, you know, you barely beat me and you had eight pounds on me? <laughs> I haven't. I, I do need to bring that up next time. I do hope – hopefully some point we can wrestle in some freestyle. But, yeah, it sucked because – so he beat me – once my freshman year and then I beat him once and then that was kind of the 
the third match right there, and he got it on me. So, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, of his style of wrestling too. It was, uh, you know, I I, I thought it could have gone either way when he lost that NCAA finals. I, I didn't, yeah. uh, I wasn't really on board with how that played out. But yeah, uh, what are you working on most to make this team? Do you watch a lot of film? Because I know I I actually don't know, but I'm pretty sure there's quite a few of them you haven't even wrestled, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm not a huge, like, yeah, there's a lot I haven't wrestled, but I'm not a huge uh, film film on my opponents. I don't really go out and watch them. I just like to keep developing my craft and what I do. So I watch a lot of just the top athletes in the world, the top wrestlers in the world, and try to pick pieces of what they're doing and keep adding them to, to, my, to, to my inventory here and just get better that way. So I, I watch a ton of wrestling all the time watching it, but it's more – trying to replicate these best guys in the world they're trying to take something they do and try to kind of fit it into my style and I think that 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 allows me to focus more on my offense me getting to my stuff versus worrying about what what other guy might be doing when I step out there because I used to watch my opponents quite a bit but I, I I caught myself thinking too much about hey this guy has this or this or he wow that was really good I just watched his match and he destroyed this guy and and I leave that to the coaches, right? If there's a specific area that a guy that I'm wrestling is really good at, they're just going to implement it into my drills that week, into my things, and I'm never even going to really think about it. But they're doing that, right? I, I right? We could be clearing under underhooks all week, and I don't really know why we're doing it, but it could be because the guy I'm wrestling this week does a lot of underhooks, right? So, so I feel like that's more of right your coach's job to kind of really know what your opponent's good at, and then he just got to Right, right. Throw it into some drills you're doing, and throw it into there, and you're gonna be ready, right? So then you're then you're in the mindset of you're still focused on your stuff, but this whole week you you prepare without even knowing for this specific guy. Yeah, kind of a Mr. Miyagi kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how how great did it feel to win that NCAA title, and and what do you remember most about that tournament? Um, honestly, it was so after that semifinals match, I was it, it was crazy semifinals, and then I went out there and did pretty well and put a lot of points on the board in that finals match. And it was just, it was just a relief and a feeling of gratefulness and a feeling of, you know, just, right. I, I just was thankful for everybody that helped me get to that point in my journey for, you know, from how far I'd come, it was just cool to look back and, and, and see that stuff. But yeah, it was, it's, it's just one of those indescribable moments. And, you know, it was cool because that year was the year they started uh, bringing families onto the floor. And um, so I got to run over and, hug my family hug my fiance and uh it was it was just a special moment and it was cool because right it was the first national champion in South Dakota state history for division 1 out of any sport so it was cool to do that for a small program and um it, it was just overall just an unbelievable experience and like i said the biggest thing was just yeah i was relieved uh you know no finish up the year you know after getting second last year just getting the job done and then uh just being grateful for such an amazing opportunity and having such amazing people just in my corner. Yeah, that Tariq Wilson match was crazy too. Uh, were yeah. you scared at all during that match? Oh, absolutely. That was so. That was another match that it, I, I I let it get a lot of my head. Right, you could see that my feet weren't moving in the match, but it was right. I didn't know anything about him because I didn't really right. He he didn't. I think he might have not even placed at uh, the ACC tournament or something crazy like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he shows up at the national tournament. And he just uh, majored Cade Brock and majored another really good guy. And 
came out of nowhere, right? I was just expecting, right? In the back of my head, I was like, oh, I got Cade Brock next. And then all of a sudden, this guy majors him. And I'm like, oh, geez, well, what's going on here? Yeah. So it was like, I was like, how could he be doing this? And, and, and I did watch film one of the very few times, probably the first time that whole year I'd watched any sort of film on a guy and probably just let it get to my head a little bit too much because I think that knowing my strengths and, and, and folks on where I was good in that match, I really could have blown it open and done, you know, a lot better than I did. I, I ended up somehow getting it done in a crazy match after getting that. He took me down five times in regulation. I had zero takedowns. So to win a match like that is, you know, it's, I was just happy to happy to get that done and make it back to the finals after that. And uh, next match, I didn't do any of that. I just went out there and did what I knew I could do. And yeah, match. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that when we get off here because it was just a crazy match. And uh, I, I remember being like, "Just hang on, dude." Yep. So yeah, I think I had I had a four point turn, and I think I had one a reversal and then four escapes and it was 10 to 10. So yeah. I, I meant to ask you this earlier because I was watching the match with RBY. Did you think that was, you should have gotten four off that splatel? I, I, th I mean, I thought, I thought I should have, but you know, I don't know what the ref was seeing that, that he thought otherwise, but typically I've, I've been, I've been in that position a lot. And typically that's four, but. Yeah. I watched it today and it looked like he stopped his count and then he did it again. So yeah, it didn't look like anything changed when he did two and then stopped and did two more. So it was like, it was interesting, but yeah, I, I was, I was pretty mad for it during that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's four all day. What are you doing? Yeah. It wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have been quite as uh, scary of a match if, uh, if I would have got that four. Who was the, who was the toughest? I don't even know if you can answer this cause you've wrestled so many good guys, but who would you say is the toughest guy you've ever wrestled? Uh, I don't know who that'd say the toughest is. I'd say the biggest butt whooping I ever got was by uh, Anthony Ashnell my freshman year oh, yeah. at the NCAA tournament. It was in, the, I want to say, the quarter – it was either quarterfinals or the round before, and he, he just completely tore me apart, like 13 to 1 or something like that. But he he got – I think he, he hit me in his tilt two or three times throughout that match, and I just felt like there was nothing I could do. So that was that was probably the one match that – I got my butt whooped the worst in college wrestling. So, yeah, you're uh, you're really great on top. What makes a good top wrestler? Because it's just weird to me how some guys, you know, I was never, I was never like that as far as the legs and all that. It's just weird to me when I see people that can just turn someone at will, like like you got you can and uh, Spencer Lee's that way. And um, what, what goes into making a good top wrestler? It was a huge just a mindset thing for me, and I, I was lucky enough to have a couple years with uh, AJ Shop, um, and he really just instilled what he did in his college wrestling on me, and he really taught me that really at the end of the day, it is a big mindset thing. When, when your mindset going into the top position is, you know, how am I going to turn this guy? It's not if I'm going to turn this guy, right? It's how, how am I going to turn this guy? And so I'm just looking at different ways constantly of how I can open this guy up because some, you know, I, I probably have four or five different turns I'm looking for. And I know that every single guy that I wrestle, at, at least one of them is going to work on them, right? They're going to show a weakness in, in their position at some point, And I'm going to get to one, one of those five turns. So that was kind of my mindset before it was like, Oh man, this guy's good on bottom. How am I going to stop his first move? How am I going to, and I, and I was more worried about trying to ride the guy than I ever, I, I never really even got the chance to think about turning him versus now all I'm thinking about is, what way am I getting, how am I going to get this guy on his back? It really 
help me get obviously there's a lot of technical aspects to that but I I would tell everybody and I still do to all our guys right now is that top and bottom wrestling is such a mindset thing right at the end of the day if a guy stands up 20 times and you return him 20 times you're still going to be on top and same goes on bottom right if he he puts you back down 10 times all you got to do is get up one more time than he's willing to put you down so really at the end of the day it's just just being able to non-stop go 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 until you get to where you want to be and I think that it's just just you see it's super common especially for the young guys coming into college wrestling it's they're so used to standing up one time the guy letting them go but now you got guys in college who are willing to return you 55 times that right they end up just laying on their belly after they get put down one of those times and that's kind of and that was kind of my thing I didn't one thing that shop always wanted me to work on a lot more that I probably should have was my, my starting breakdown. Um, that that's somewhere I still, still could have improved on this last year was just that off that whistle. But I was always the guy that was willing to return this guy or hang on to an angle and drive and, you know, do whatever I possibly can to stay on top of him. Right. I was never going to give up that, that easy escape. And, and I knew at some point, even, even if the guy did end up escaping, I wasn't too worried about it because I knew at some point this guy was going to get to a point where he didn't want to try to go through what he had to go through to get out that, that, that first time. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the last couple of questions I'll ask you and then I'll let you get out of here is uh, what was your dad like when you were, when you were a kid starting out in wrestling? How, how did he approach, how did he approach uh, being your dad as far as wrestling goes? My dad, my dad was really hard on me. He, uh, he, uh, for, for, trying to see what the right way to say this was is he he was hard on me he put me through a lot of things that as far as the extra workouts and, and the things that he he said to me was probably the way that you should maybe treat like a high school or something like that but I was like a little seven-year-old and we're in the car and he's asking me do you really want to be the best and you got to work harder if you want this and that and I had no idea what that meant when I was seven years old and we were in the you know wrestling room um doing you know everybody's gone home and he's making me do 50 sprawls because I can't get my legs back from guys making me run around the room and uh and you know who knows eh, that probably did play somewhat of a role in my success at some point but uh you know it was me and him got in a lot of fights over wrestling I felt like it was and it improved a lot once I got when I got to high school he kind of stepped back and that's when wrestling became my own and that's when I decided I wanted to really be good at it but up until that point, I think it caused a lot of issues within our relationship. And um, once you really step back and decide, hey, I'm going to be a dad and I'm going to be a fan, is really when I started doing better and our relationship grew a lot more. But with that being said, I think that it did give some sort of toughness to me. It did give me the sense of hard work and what I had to do. And um, so it was it was a mix. You know, I think you ask him, he'd, he'd probably give it back just to have – a better relationship in that time frame, but you know, it, it was part of the experience and it, it's interesting looking back on it because now, you know, to this day, my, my younger brother thinks, Oh, my dad didn't care, didn't care as much about my wrestling because he didn't do those things to me. Right. So it, it's, it's interesting to talk about that because right. From my brother's eyes, it was like, you know, he didn't care about me. That's why he didn't stay after and put me through these workouts when it was, you know, he didn't want to sacrifice any part of the relationship for that so it's interesting and I think that you know it played a role I don't know which way you know who knows maybe he didn't do that I'd been better if maybe I would have been worse you know who knows but that was kind of the experience is you know he kept me after when I probably didn't want to be there he he, he was pretty hard on me and 
and when you when you're that young you know and I don't know I don't know it's, it was it was an interesting kind of dynamic there but it played some sort of role in who I am now I guess yeah what what advice do you have for uh for young kids young wrestlers um enjoy it fall in love with this sport and and don't be afraid to try new things I mean the biggest thing that I think that holds people people back maybe not at the young age I think at the young age they kind of do what their coaches say and try that but as you get older you get so comfortable doing the same things over and over and over but always be willing to adapt always be willing to try new things because that's how you're going to keep keep getting better but at the end of the day the biggest thing is it wins and losses don't matter if you love the sport if you enjoy what you're doing you enjoy the people you're around you're right, you're right. that that's what's going to matter and and at some point in time if you decide hey I love wrestling and I want to be the best at it then you can kind of start 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 taking that next level of dedication but especially at that young age just just enjoy it love love the sport enjoy being there enjoy competing enjoy being around those people I think that 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 played a huge role. I just I just loved to be in the wrestling room. I loved hanging out with my friends in wrestling. I loved to go to tournaments and travel with them. And, and those those are the memories that I always look back. And you know that that that's what I still remember to this day. I didn't I don't remember my loss when I was eight years old. I don't remember who kicked my butt here or there. It was always I remember that trip with this buddy and we did this stupid thing at this tournament and yeah. you know so things like that. Yeah, that's what I miss about it, about it the most, too. Uh, well, thank you so much for doing this, dude. I'm really going to be pulling for you, and, uh, you know, it's, it's great to watch you wrestle. And, and I knew just from interviews that I, I was like, I like this kid. Um, so Appreciate that. Your, your faith is inspirational and, uh, you know, things you've done in wrestling, obviously. So I'm going to show my boy this when he gets a little bit older. He's only two now, so right now he wouldn't understand. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah really, really appreciate you having me on and taking the time to, time to talk with me. It was, it was really fun. You bet. Did you want to plug anything, your uh, social medias or any of that stuff? Uh, that, that's all right. Just uh, just tune in to Badger Wrestling this upcoming couple of years, and uh, hopefully we'll be on the rise and uh, striving to get, get to the top uh, of college wrestling soon enough. So Cool, man. Well, uh, I'd love to have you on again sometime, hopefully after you win that Olympic title. And, uh, and uh, God bless you, and thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely appreciate it, and God bless you too. Thanks, Seth. Take care, buddy. Yeah. All right, everybody. Seth Gross, really amazing. Uh, can't call him a kid. He's a young man, but that was really cool to talk to him. Um, as always, make sure you uh, go to makingithappen.com, M-A-C-A-N, ithappen.com. Help out little Bo Macon and his family. Uh, my website is timgathercomedy.com. Got some dates coming up. Uh, I'm going to be at the Oklahoma, excuse me, the Tulsa Looney Bin, October 14 through 17. And November 13 and 14, I will be at uh, Stir Crazy Comedy Club. And then in January, I will be, January 8 and 9, I'll be back home in Kansas City at the Kansas City Comedy Club. I'm really looking forward to those dates. Uh, YouTube.com slash Tim Gaither is uh, obviously what this is on. <laughs> but make sure you subscribe if you have not. And I would appreciate it. It helps me out. And God bless all of you. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Do us both a favor and click on that subscribe button.